Hey everybody, this is Future Jess again, coming to you one more time because we did have some more audio issues on episode 8, but we have defeated the tech goblins slash figured out that one of the microphones wasn't working. But anyway, that doesn't matter. It'll be fixed next week. We hope you enjoy episode 8. And we love you. See you later. <laughs> Dungeons and dopamine. Ta-da! Hello and welcome back to Dungeons and Dopamine Week 8. 8. No, two months. This is two full months. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Uh, I'm Bree Fagan. I'm Jess Worsniak, and I very rudely interrupted her. She's really good at that. I am. I'm, I'm a terrible person. We just <laughs> talked last week about how I make friends. <laughs> I make them, but I can't keep them, obviously. <laughs> she, she only gets them for short periods of time, and then they realize. <laughs> that I interrupt all the time. That's or they stay around for, you know. 30 years almost. Usually I'm trying to get rid of those ones. I even taught her this game called Splat. <laughs> That's like a way this throwback. Like your mom's favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> she better listen to this episode. She has eight episodes to catch up on. I just want all my listeners out there. Our listeners, I'm so sorry. So, being so narcissistic. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I just learned about it last week. <laughs> I haven't even had time to get help. I don't know what you mean. This isn't a buzzword at all. <laughs> You're not crying. It's fine. <laughs> Our listeners. Yeah. Uh, my mother, my own mother, my own mother who birthed me, does not listen to a single podcast. I can't believe it. So I, disappointed in Carla right I, now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even going to say hi when she comes into the township next. Right. You're totally going to forget about this lie. conversation. <laughs> as soon as I hear her voice, I'm like, oh, Carla's here. She's here. I'm going to go see her. I, I will take one-tenth of the blame. Only a tenth because she needs me to show her how to listen to us. And I have done that properly yet. That is fair. I assume that is also the reason that my dad has not listened to the podcast. <gasps> or he may have not even noticed that I started the podcast. <laughs> I know he's on Facebook. I do not know how much he's seeing. What in the Batman do we need to do to get his attention? Well, I'm going to see him <laughs> Saturday, so I'm just going to find his phone and figure out how to get it on there. Perfect. Download all of our episodes. All of them. Every one of them. I did think about making cards because I've talked to two totally random people. Uh, one was a complete stranger that I bought the bedrooms for Snape and Aragog from. And the other is an acquaintance through our children. And we started talking at complete random and found out that we are linked. Our children cheered together and somehow we still missed each other. But um, I hope you're listening. Hi, friends. So eight weeks. Unbelievable. What has happened? That has given you dopamine. Well, it's week eight, so it's real estate week number two. I made up a rap. <laughs> will you sing it for me right now? Please? I I will. I did before we started recording, <laughs> and it's it's brief, but it's 
week eight real estate. No mistake. <laughs> I know. I'm going to need that sound bite for personal reasons. I Thank you very much. What week eight is going to have to do with anything else <laughs> in my real estate, but I'm going to make it work. So there's section eight. I'm going to rename my company week eight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just for that sound. For that. Well, I mean, I've just given the people something. <laughs> something real. Something tangible. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was, if we hadn't already lost them last week when I think we insulted our listeners, mm. we've lost them now because I just called that a rap <laughs> by rhyming three words in a row. So I'm starting to feel like the point of our podcast is to scare people away. <laughs> Let's bring them in and Um, then make them go away. That's how good marketing goes, right? Well, (laughs) yes. Right. New people all the time. We don't care about the old ones. Maybe we're just testing their boundaries. Or their Pushing them away. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That sounds cooler. We just have to come up with a threatening way to keep them. Yeah. My dog will growl at you. Didn't we talk about bodyguards once before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're going to be for real estate, but we can hire yes. them for podcasts. Absolutely. Once... To force people to listen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't listen. <laughs> My very attractive bodyguard. Yeah, absolutely. No, I see nothing wrong with this. So speaking of creepy. Yeah. Because we're <gasps> yeah. better than segways. <laughs> um, I took your suggestion this week. This is a real estate week. It starts out a little scary and then goes to a little bit creepy and then ends on a happy note because that's what I do. And also because, well, I'll tell you why. We talked a little bit when I did my first real estate topic about safety issues with open houses in particular, um, business cards, real uh, signs, things like that. Yes. I did not get much more into it. There are some very awful stories about realtors that were murdered uh, during showings or open houses. And I honestly, I don't really want to get into those stories because I don't right. want to give those murderers notoriety. Yes. We, there is an actual foundation. It's called the Beverly Carter Foundation. And her family started the foundation after she was murdered on, on a showing. And he, her son now travels the country talking to real estate groups and telling us his mother's story and what happened and then giving tips and safety, well, safety tips, safety tips and other ways to be safe in your business and just really good. It's actually where I learned the open house information using a webcam or, or all these oh, yeah, safety yeah. tricks. In general, our association and as a, real, as a realtor, I have three main associations. I have the National Association, the Michigan Association, and then my local association here in West Michigan. We all talk about safety a lot, especially women realtors. We're encouraged to take self-defense classes We're given safety tips on how to show a house safely. We try, you know, we're told to make sure we send the clients up the stairs first or down the stairs first. You don't go into a room. So that they get attacked and you have time to escape. risk their lives so I can push them down and then run. (laughs) Or it's so they can't knock me over the head and knock me down the stairs and lock me in the basement. I don't think that's it. (laughs) They don't don't 
Um, <laughs> you know, being in a in a small room with someone you don't know, talking about how to ensure that we're even getting to the point where we're showing how safely. So I've been lucky enough in this business so far that a huge majority of my clients have been people I know or people that were referred to me by people I know very well. So I trust who they're referring to me. I've had a couple people that I've shown houses to that I did not know. One thing I always do for sure is make sure they are pre-approved with a reputable lender because I know if they're pre-approved, somebody else has seen their driver's license, has ran their social security oh, number, okay. has some idea that they are at least responsible enough to buy a house. I'm not saying that people that commit crimes can't buy houses or that people that can buy houses don't commit crimes. But at least somebody else has checked them out. I also make sure I get a copy of their driver's license that I then forward to usually my husband, uh, sometimes my broker, and also if I'm doing the showing at a time when my I know my husband's not available, I will send it to a trusted friend that knows where I'm going to be, knows what time I'm going to be there, and what time I'm, I should be done. So if they don't hear from me, they know something's wrong. I ask the new buyer what kind of car they drive, what they'll be showing up in, so I can give that information to whoever is keeping an eye out for my safety. If I'm very uncomfortable, I or if it's a property that's maybe out of my normal distance or seems a little secluded, I'll bring my husband with me. He'll usually just hang out in the car, but I am very honest about, hey, new client, just so you know, my husband will be with me. He'll be in the car. You know, sometimes it's, well, we're on our way to somewhere else. And sometimes I'm just very upfront with, this is for my safety. This yeah, is for my yeah, absolutely. I ask who's coming with them, if they're bringing anybody with them. You know, it's always feels a little safe, safer if they're bringing their whole family. Like, oh, <laughs> sure. well, my grandma's going to be there and my wife and our children. Then I'm less worried if it's, you know, one single guy and he drives a truck and he wants to meet at a vacant, vacant property outside of cell phone range. One that you know has a creepy chair in a basement with a mirror. Right. <laughs> um, I don't go on those showings. Right. I also sometimes I'll carry mace. Sure. I ha I do have my carry carry concealed license. I have carried that in the past. I don't always just because guns are a weird thing anyway. I don't always feel comfortable enough with the weapon to feel comfortable enough if I had to pull it out in any situation. Absolutely. Our association provides apps for our safety. So I okay. have one app that I can essentially run a small background check. I can see if they've oh, nice. been in trouble for any violent crimes. I My app that allows me to talk to the lock boxes so that I can get into the house has a safety feature that if I press a certain button or I can even set it up if I don't press a certain button within a certain amount of time, it calls my husband. It sends him my location, it shows him what house I'm at, and then he can call the cops. That's amazing. It's really, really sad that they need that, but that's incredible. Yes. I mean, we pay association dues, but it's all provided through, through those them. apps and through the association. And again, they're very upfront about making sure that we're safe, that we're making safe decisions. They We get alerts if somebody's been receiving strange calls or strange messages from somebody We'll get an email saying, hey, if you get a call from this number, typically been a man that just breathes heavily on the other end of the line for a few minutes, or this guy tried to, you know, get somebody to meet him out at a vacant property with no 
pre-approval and wouldn't give his real name, stuff like that. We try to be as careful as we can about our safety, but it is kind of a scary business. And it's wild because people think of it as, frankly, people think of it as a lucrative and easy profession. Mm -hmm. And I could see, I'm going to say this, I can see when my realtor, when I bought this house, how hard she worked. This was pre you being a realtor. I always feel like I have to preface with that <laughs> because like otherwise, exactly. Or think you're a terrible realtor. <laughs> like, no, no, she, she sucks. Even use don't don't use her. <laughs> but no, no. This was pre Brie realtor, <laughs> and uh, Amanda was busy all the time. Like I had questions for her all the time. I can only imagine. I felt like I wasn't as needy as some people really are. And I can only imagine what she went through and how much work you guys do. Oh, yeah. And none of it's guaranteed. Right. You know, it's it's so often I'm getting text messages from strangers or phone calls in, the, you know, 11 o'clock at night. People think that I'm just available all the time. And sometimes, especially strangers, I might show them a handful of houses and then they remember that their cousin is in real estate and they start using so sometimes I'm putting my safety on the line, not only for someone that I've never met, but somebody that even if they do show up, might not end up using might you. either hurt me right. or it might be a waste of time. It's, it's a very strange business. It drives <laughs> my husband crazy, especially when I have to show a house that's maybe not in a good neighborhood and the schedule works out so I can only do it in the evening. And like I said, I don't like to carry my gun, so... I'm not going to tell any other stories of, of realtors that have died because they make me sad. And Absolutely. I, that's not what I want people to focus on. So I kind of got in, I went into the creepy side of things or the paranormal side of things. Yay. And I have to correct myself. I gave incorrect information last time. I thought in California you had, you had to disclose if um, a house was haunted. There are no states in the United States that require you to disclose on paper if you if your house is haunted. There are some states that require disclosure of like emotional defects or something emotional that might defects. stigmatize the house. So if it was the site of a well-known murder or a suicide or um, a serial killer, sure. you might have to disclose that. But only if it's like stigmatized, people might know it. Some states require you to disclose if someone has died in the house within a certain amount of time. So within the last year or maybe up to the last three years. So, you know, if grandma took her last breath in her own bed, you might have to disclose that. Only two states specific, or no, sorry, four states specifically mention paranormal activity. Two of them, Minnesota and Massachusetts specifically in their laws say you do not have to disclose any paranormal activity. New Jersey says you only have to disclose it if you are directly asked. So it doesn't have to be written down, but if the buyer says, hey, is this house haunted? And you think it is, you can't lie to them. And in New York, because of a previous case, you only have to disclose paranormal activity if you've already disclosed it to the public at large. Wow. And this is due to a case they call the Ghostbuster ruling. 
<laughs> and it involved a house in New York that apparently was very well known for being haunted. The woman that lived there, it was an old, beautiful old Victorian house. The woman was, that owned it was very public about the happenings. She talked about how a ghost would like wake her children up in the morning for school by like shaking their beds. And one had appeared to her when she was painting a room and like approved of her color choice. One of the stories said like her son had seen one, an old Civil War ghost when he came up the stairs one time. She had actually been published in Reader's Digest and a couple nationally known newspapers. And then when she put her house up for sale, even though everyone around her knew the house had these paranormal activities, the person that bought it was from out of town. So he was not aware of the stories with the house. And it was a little unclear. It sounded like they never ended up through the whole process, but it must have been when he showed up to finally see the house in person. He talked to one of the neighbors and they were like, oh, you're buying this house. And he took them to court to try to get his deposit back. He decided he didn't want to want the house, tried to get out of the country. It was like a $650,000 house. Holy cow. So I don't know how much money he put down, but probably a lot. Sure. He had to take them to court to try to get out of the deal. The first judge agreed with the sellers because typically in the United States, it's considered buyer beware. But he appealed it and the second judge ruled that because the woman had been published in print saying that the house was haunted, she could no longer say that it's not haunted, and therefore she was selling the house on... She wasn't charged with fraud, but it was basically implied that she... She was fraud ...had misrepresented the house because she had already said it was haunted, so she couldn't turn around and say that it's not haunted now. Um, so he was able to get his money back. That She wasn't charged with anything. She wasn't sent to jail for it or anything. But he did not have to buy this haunted house. I only have two kind of creepy stories besides the ones I told the last time about like the dead animals and the sure. cat hiding in the corner. And I had kind of forgotten about them until I started really thinking about it. My stories just involve deserted houses. I have not officially witnessed any paranormal activity. Nobody has disclosed to me that like great grandma haunts their house. I haven't had any of that. And it's funny I'm telling this story because I keep coming back to that family of five with grandma and grandpa and they apparently are in all of my stories because this was the very first time I met them. She called me up. She had seen this house. It was out in Montague. From the listing we knew that the house was in kind of rough shape. We knew that it had been deserted for a little while. We show up and again, it's me. I'm meeting this family for the first time. It's mom, dad, three kids, and then grandma and grandpa. And I feel like there was an aunt with them at the time too that was like visiting from out of town. And it's this huge house in the middle of a bunch of farmland. And it's beautiful, like an old farmhouse. From the front of it, it looks like it's been restored. It's basically their dream house at the time, everything they thought they wanted. So we get there, and from the back of the house where you have to park, we can tell that there's been some damage. The roof had a leak in it. There's a hole. So we know there's going to be interior damage. But when we get into the house, it's like this place was, like, the owner walked out one day and just never came back. That's the creepiest thing. And we we do find out eventually, and I can't remember how, I want to say 
the person I was showing it to drove by to like do a first look before our appointment and happened to run into the neighbor. And what had happened is this man had inherited, a man had inherited the home. It was a family home. He was living there, fixing it up. He was estranged from his wife. She lived in another state. And he went outside to cut wood one day and he had a heart attack and died. And the neighbor found him. Ooh. And since the estranged wife was estranged, she inherited the house. Sure. The, or the estate went to her and she didn't care. So she just, I think the story was she'd show up every once in a while because some of the farmland was leased to one of the neighbors. So she was still making money on this land. Okay. But she touched nothing in the house. So, well, she she must have cleaned something up. It's not like you walked in and it was stinky. There wasn't like rotten food sitting on a table that, that had been left in the Sure, room. a cup of coffee. Or... But there was boxes of food in the pantry that it had expired two years ago. Wow. And there were chips on the counter still in the bag that had a receipt next to them from two years ago. And all of his belongings are there. And all of the family belongings, because this was a family house that was inherited, there's, you know, the beds are still made, the box, the, you know, the picture boxes are still stored, and it's a beautiful house. But there were some structural issues because it had been deserted, so we walked into the main room, and off to the left was a bathroom, and the floor had Oh. And it's still, I'll have to find, I'm sure I still have the picture, because it still sticks in my brain that the floor of this bathroom had collapsed, but there was a pair of tennis shoes still sitting on part of the floor that hadn't caved in. Like, he had meant to go back in and get dressed for the day and get his tennis shoes. They're just hanging out there. This house, nothing has been touched in this house for two years. That's Everything is just sitting really there waiting eerie. for the owner to come back. Oh my gosh. The, his bathroom stuff is still out. The shower stuff is still ready. The towel is still hanging on the on the hook. It was crazy. I have never wanted a client to be able to buy a house and not buy a house so much since then. The stuff in there it was incredible. Frozen in time. Yeah, that's really eerie. Yeah. And, and it's really melancholy. It, it was. It makes your heart hurt a little for him and for the fact that he hadn't had anybody that came and, mm -hmm. and took he care of it. and to pack up his stuff. Yeah. He, you know, he was must have been the last descendant in the family. So a whole family's whole heritage. Yeah. And I, that family obviously didn't get to buy it. I know it was bought that summer. I should check wow. to see. I should yeah. buy it sometime and see if they fixed it up or if they just tore it down. I might have to do that. I was going to ask if it was still available. I was going to be like, oh, let's go see it. <laughs> um, and my second story isn't nearly as long, but it was another deserted house. It might even be a little bit creepier. It just felt even more sad. But it was also like my one of my very first showings. It was the very first client that I closed a deal with. Again, it was it was like it was deserted. But this time in it, they were obviously packing. A lot of their belongings were in boxes, kind of piled up in one room, like they were getting ready to move. But all of the important stuff was still out, like they were still living there. There was a room, a nursery, with like brand new baby clothes hanging in the closet. 
and new baby toys or stuff that was only like gently used. And it was a, I mean, a huge house and every room had stuff in it. There were medication bottles hanging out. That one, there was a, a smell issue because food had been left in the refrigerator. Oh. There was expired formula on the counter oh and expired gosh. baby food. So again, what happened? Yeah, why did they They go? never came home. Yeah. It, that one felt maybe more of a rental situation. Maybe they got evicted and didn't have anywhere to bring their stuff. But it was, I mean, obviously there were children in the house. It yeah. Was, it was a little strange. Oof. But no ghosts. I mean, I got attacked by a cat once. But <laughs> I really no ghosts, wish no we could see that. No doors slamming. <laughs> no scary voices telling us to get out. My broker listed a house for a couple where I believe the husband either made or collected like horror movie masks. And they were in the pictures. <laughs> I've been, if you do an internet search, you know, I've been tagged in flamingo-themed houses where everything is flamingo-themed. People are in love with the strangest things. So there's clown houses or doll houses. Um, there's one with mannequins all over the house. Do you think that you could show a doll house? Because I know that dolls are your most favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> I would, and if it was a buyer I was comfortable with, I would tell them I was uncomfortable <laughs> and do my best to be brave, but I would really struggle with it. <laughs> Clowns I can handle. Sure. Maybe dolls, man. <laughs> They're so bad. There's... I, I did have... A grandma with dolls, though. You remember That's Grandma right. Belle. That's We loved that, though. Well, she, the ones we were allowed to play with. Right. And then the train sta- uh, train set downstairs mm-hmm. wasn't yeah. a station. But. So oh, I, I have some experience with old creepy dolls, and many of them. All yeah, it was a whole. Yeah. But there, a lot of people will do marketing ploys using this now we actually oh sure Muskegon that went viral it was Halloween time and it was an older house and they had a person dressed in a skeleton costume holding a sign that said (laughs) has good bones oh nice front porch of the house and then all of the pictures had this like skeleton guy in the background being kind of goofy I've seen Jason yep, in the background. Yeah, they got it with Jason, Michael Myers. Yes. Um, there was another one in Michigan that did the Scream guy, <laughs> Elvis Personator, Impersonators, the Mannequin House. So I think I've seen blow-up dinosaur costumes. Like, Fabulous. So a bunch of different marketing ploys. To kind I've of, seen people sitting on toilets as well. Like yeah. in every bathroom photo, the same guy is sitting on a, a toilet. Yeah. He's He's decent. He's not exposed, <laughs> He's not, but yeah. yeah. And then um, I've seen signs that, um, you know, your real estate signs that say definitely not haunted kind of a thing. <laughs> Quiet neighbors and it's like next to us. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. So we've kind of taken a fun spin on that. I'll be honest, I tried really hard to Google some like creepy real estate listings. The problem I ran into, I found one really good one, but a lot of what I found, the stuff was creepy because they made it creepy. Okay. Like, People that were really into horror movies based their house on the Amityville Horror House or the the Haunted Mansion or some other creep, I don't know, or they just decorated, you know, very gothic, very dark. So if you, you know, you can get a list on BuzzFeed or wherever with 30 crazy real estate listings, but a lot of it was more like personal 
belongings where they made it creepy. Not to say, you know, again, we don't kink shame. So if you're absolutely, yeah, that's how you want to decorate your house, then cool. But I wasn't going to sit here and make fun of it or talk about it because that's not really a creepy thing to me. It's just somebody's choices. Something I do find super creepy is serial killer houses. So people have really gotten into serial killers, even though they're literal monsters that are alive. You can find websites where you can just travel the country and see all these houses. And it may might be you know, where the serial killer grew up, or it might be where he murdered seven people. I find that way creepier than anything else I read the whole time I looked this stuff up. I think that should be included on disclosure forms. I don't care if grandma died in my house that I bought. Right. I care if some awful human being being murdered 17 people. In Someone with that awful, <laughs> awful energy. Yes. And that's it. the bad juju, the bad feelings, you know, doesn't matter what religion or what universal beliefs you have. There is no way you can tell me that a house with that much trauma in it doesn't affect the future. There's just no, even we've had awful things happen in our town and they just destroyed the houses. They demolished them. They got rid of them. That is something to me that needs to be, even the the guy that thought he was buying this nice Victorian house from out of town and showed up and found out it was haunted. Like something about finding this house and thinking you're making a fresh start and moving in and then like. You bring a nice plate of brownies over to the neighbors and they're like, oh, you bought the murder house. And there's so much emotional investment in buying a house. Mm-hmm. I I love my house. This is our forever home uh, unless we win the lotto or something absolutely absurd happens. But this is my forever home and I cried in the process of purchasing it because I lost out on houses that I thought were going to be my forever home. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't change that now. But in the process, it's devastating to lose or to learn something like that about a house would just, it turns your life upside down for a while. Yeah. And to be in love with a house and just have spent all that money and that time and that emotional investment. And then like two weeks later, everything is deflated because you find out you're living in like a murder house. Yes. Yeah. And then my last story, because we have to end on a good note. Of course. This is your shit. um, This started out actually creepy, and I was kind of excited about it, and then I dug into it, and it got better. So this starts with a listing. It was on Zillow, and it gets picked up by some sort of internet TikTok influencer real estate agent, because we have those now. So there's like... The Zillow goes wild page, and there's TikTokers that get on and just find these crazy listings, which is the other reason I kind of gave up on the creepy listing thing early in the process, because it a lot of it ended up, again, either just being people making their own personal decisions or making fun of people that maybe weren't in the best spots in their lives and left their houses in, in conditions that... Most people would find deplorable, but we don't know their story. We don't right. know. Or their mental state. Right. I didn't want to get into any of those, but this one popped up. And the influencer real estate agent, she called it the nightmare house. The pictures weren't great. They were, it was a pretty rundown house. 
but the listing included the words, upstairs apartment cannot be shown under any circumstances. Buyer assumes responsibility for the month to month tenancy in the upstairs apartment. Occupant has never paid, has no security deposit, and there is a lease in place. It does make sense, please don't ask. And so the story goes viral. The sure. influencer agent is like, what is going on here, Zillow? Like, freaks out. It starts being known as the nightmare house. The story goes viral. This influencer, you know, she pops up and she's like, what is happening? Look at this nightmare house. It gets picked up by news stories across the country. Everybody's trying to figure out what, you know, people are guessing it's a ghost or it's like the the guy from the Goonies that's locked in the basement. <laughs> like, what is going on? And so I, same thing. This is in 2017. So I go down the rabbit hole. I'm trying to figure out who this is or what happens after that. And it turns out that the person living in the apartment is the childhood friend of the owner. At this time, the owner had had an accident. I don't remember if he died or he was unconscious. or So they knew there was a tenant in there. They knew it was the owner's, the dad's childhood friend. He was living there for free. He was on hard times. But they had to sell the house because they also needed money. But they didn't want to leave this guy without a place to live. So instead of being normal people... Explaining it, they were, right. I guess they were trying to be secretive, and and they list they worded it in a way that people just panic. And then it turns out that the guy, the the guy that's living in this apartment, used well is was this world renowned artist and <gasps> illustrator. Like his artwork is in Coca Cola buildings, and he was this amazing wildlife oil artist. Cool. His name okay. is uh, Randall McKissick. Some of it's just beautiful. It's fish and deer and nature. And he had lost his, in his words, somebody tracked him down and he didn't even realize, he didn't even know the house was being sold. He didn't know he was like internet famous because he was a ghost living in an apartment. And all he, he was like, no, I'm just, I'm on hard times. I've kind of lost my spark. I'm having a hard time creating art. And the internet finds out about him. And I tracked down the Facebook page for his art. It's Randall McKissick Fine Art on Facebook. And there's some news articles and it kind of, his daughter runs the Facebook and it alludes to once the, even the influencer real estate agent that found out, um, she found out what the real story was. She flew out to meet him. They had a connection. I, it doesn't get into whether she helped him or what happened. Sure. People started finding him on the Facebook page and asking how they could donate money to him. His daughter set up a, a GoFundMe. I can't find anything that says like how much money he got out of it, but there's a picture on the Facebook of him and his grandson at an art store, and it's you know I'm he's buying art supplies with the the art fund that you guys donated to and we have taken care of where he's living and did sadly pass away this year. He passed away at the beginning of 2023, but it looks like from his, from the Facebook page that after all of that happened, he, his life really improved. People re-found out who he was. 
And when he passed away this year, even there were a couple news articles and his daughter is quoted as saying like, he was the most generous, humble, nicest man I've ever met. And he would honestly just be surprised that people even care that he's passed away. Oh. And so that's where my creepy real estate ended is Not a very creepy, creepy at all. story about yes. an old man artist that created beautiful work and was helped because he, a listing agent wrote a bad listing description. Oh, I love that. I mean, not the... just took yeah. it over. The internet can be magical. Yes. In some ways. It's amazing. Oh, what a sweet story. It made me want to cry. (laughs) Happy cry. And it really worked out for me because I really did want to find you some creepy stories, but I was either so (laughs) disappointed in what people were coming up with or too sad about (laughs) the things that happen in real life that... I almost gave up on the topic completely, and then I found this this tiny nugget of information about an old man that went viral over a house listing. I love that. Yes. Do you know if his house, if that house ever sold? It did end up selling. Um, they did take it off the market, and <laughs> everybody found out what was really going on. Oh, and yeah. Then it, and he, his daughters helped him find a new place, and the house sold. And, oh, no, I have one more. I totally skipped it. The one actual internet creepy house I was able to find that I didn't feel like people were being judgy on. Uh-oh, okay. And I'm not saying there aren't more, um, but I'll post the link. It's still on realtor.com and it is a house, an old farmhouse that has a jail attached. <gasps> and the jail was built in like 1868. It was just attached to the jailer's house back then. Like the jailer would live in his house and keep everybody in cells. The house is this big, beautiful farmhouse type style house that's been partially renovated. And then there is a scary as shit jail on the back. No. And it's dilapidated and it has not been cared for and it has no electricity. The walls are crumbling. It hasn't been used since like 1969, and the the only thing I can think of when I'm looking at these pictures is that abandoned man- mental hospital that we used to go explore as teenagers. Oh no 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 like, no no no! Furniture still in there, but it's like disheveled and pushed around. There was like a bed frame with a shovel on it, and the toilets are still there. One like no. some of them are falling off the roof, and it's just connected. In this to the home. House. Oh my gosh! Super creepy. Um, so I'll post a a link for that. Yes. When this episode premieres, but that was the best one I could find. If you listeners, if you have creepy listings you want to send me that aren't just people didn't clean or yeah, judgment. Know, yeah. I would love to see them, and we will maybe I'll talk about them in more. Yes. Otherwise, leaving on a good note, people get helped by viral listings. I love it. <laughs> the internet it can be magical. Yes. So I was doodling while you're talking because yes. that helps me to focus and listen. Mm-hmm. And I started to write my name in bubble letters, and then I misspelled my name. So I just want you to know that I either have mental problems or you were so good. I was so focused on you that I could not spell my name correctly. I'm going to go with that second yeah. option. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm obsessed with TikTok lately. There's so much good information on there, but 
it made me think of it because of all the realist realtors mm-hmm. and even I see them. I see them especially a lot now that I've been looking specifically. Right. But I spend too much of my life doom scrolling on TikTok. Um, I, I spoke with someone. We were talking last week about how I make friends. So my like my most random curated friendship is I made a friend on a TikTok live for an author that I support because of TikTok. She did a really great like short ad of her book and I was like, I must now read that. I must now know all about that book. Yeah, it was it was so smart. You should absolutely get on to Book Talk. The one I lent you, the um fourth wing. I only learned it's so good. I only learned about that because of TikTok. Maybe this is an unpopular opinion and I shouldn't share it yet because we're still collecting unpopular opinions. I don't think the fourth wing is as good as any of Sarah J. Moss's stuff. I'm already, which I understand other people have connected to, I'm already getting like the Divergent vibes. Sure. And Divergent was a good, easy read with an ending that I didn't love very much. Same with Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I really like dragons. Yes. So I'm going to push through just for dragons. Stick with it. Um, I did think it... Like push through those to yeah so exactly yep it, so. yep it's very like a phenomena on um book talk is mm-hmm. what it's called and i get the hype and i also don't because i think sarah moss is superior yes. but um yeah i'm gonna start sending you every book talk i come across Perfect. Just so that it'll curate for you <laughs> before you even try. The whole algorithm will be books. Exactly. And whatever my husband sends me, which is usually like cool cards <laughs> and dumb jokes. Yeah. Which is perfect. <laughs> so we should probably be sponsored by TikTok. Yeah, we just gave a really good plug for it. Absolutely. I I think that this is a shoe in for us. Get a hold of us, TikTok. So what are you going to talk about to bring us some dopamine is is it creepy that it's sociopaths that gave me dopamine this week I mean, yes but I'm here for it. <laughs> all right all right excellent as long as then i'm good with it now this ironically i did not find any tiktok content to go in i'm sure it could have i just didn't think to look so i mean we are of the generation before we could get all of our knowledge yes Okay, so it turns out um, I was just going to research sociopaths, but you cannot research sociopath without also researching psychopaths. Are they different? Yeah. So let's dive in head first. Psychopath and sociopath are not actually medical diagnoses any longer. They've been removed. The correct diagnosis for someone who is a sociopath or psychopath would actually be antisocial personality disorder. Um, Shortened, that is ASPD, and that is probably what I will refer to it as. ASPD can't be diagnosed until the patient is in their older teens or young adulthood, and they do have to meet certain criteria, which we'll get 
into later. You are also going to find that most ASPD sufferers show narcissistic personality traits, which is very convenient because we just went over those last week. So you're so fresh. Exactly. Oh, I am not a doctor. This is not to diagnose yourself or others. Please do not take what I am saying as medical certainty. I researched this on the internet like all respectable millennials do. And the internet, despite what we have learned, not everything on the internet is true. What? I know. This is going to blow everyone's mind. Uh, who can you even trust anymore? <laughs> Certainly not Google. So most, if not all, socio or psychopaths are going to exhibit narcissistic personality traits, but not all narcissists are going to fall into sociopath or psychopath. Okay. Once again, I do think that this word is overused. Mm-hmm. Uh, both words are overused. I think it's something like if someone's driving erratically on the road, we're like, what a psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm 1,000% guilty of that as well. It's I'm not condemning anyone for it. It's just <laughs> what we do. And a lot of people do use the two words interchangeably, which is not correct. So a lot of the articles I found had slight finite differences between differentiating psychopath from sociopath, which leads me to believe that unless you are a studied professional, there is a pretty fine line in between them. Mm-hmm. One article did say that in a nutshell, people with sociopathy may have little empathy and a habit of rationalizing their actions, but they do know the difference between right and wrong. Psychopathy involves no sense of morality or empathy, which is much scarier to me. That's really frightening. Um, I did watch this amazing video, and if anyone would like to see it, I would be happy to link it on our Facebook. Let me know if anyone is interested. It is a long video, but it is with one of the leading scientists on ASPD uh, as of three years ago, which in the medical field might have been... She, she might not be any longer, but so good. And one thing that she said that I really liked was that you are born a psychopath, but you learn to be a sociopath. Okay. She did go on to say that a sociopath is someone who's much less likely to climb a social ladder or is someone who would be more reactive. So they would be more likely to get into a bar brawl when someone insults them. Now, a psychopath would be someone who's much more forward-facing, successful, and usually they can climb the corporate ladder pretty well, like a narcissist could. But she said that they would likely get into this argument with you at the bar, learn all they can about you and three days later come kill you it's a very creepy difference (laughs) one blurb i thought was a really good explanation of a psychopath and i'm just gonna quote it it's by british psychologist kevin dutton 
He says, the psychopath is a charismatic leader who inspires people to follow him, a strategic thinker who can master the details, a tireless worker with incredible focus and problem-solving skills. He's well-liked by his employees, but is also able to make and execute unpopular decisions. Above all, he is an exceptional communicator who can convey a vision to an audience, any audience, Wall Street to the most junior employee. The other scary thing about a psychopath is that the top four career choices for a psychopath are CEO, attorney, media personality, or salesperson. And that really fits. Both sociopaths and psychopaths don't care much or at all for other people. And that makes it really easy for them to, say, sell you a piece of crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can... They're smooth so they can talk up a car, even though they know that when you drive it away, it's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they won't care at all that they've taken your money and scammed you. It does seem to be agreed upon that whichever of these two categories this person would fall into, these people are wired differently than a neurotypical person like you and I. Uh, I hope like you and I. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't call us neurotypical, but... Okay. But I understand what you mean. That's fair. You've got a point there. I take that back. (laughs) But I do agree that we are not sociopathic or psychopathic. Yes. Or at least you hide it really well if you are. (laughs) (laughs) I... I'm going to continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> to someone, um, to identify someone who is sociopathic, you'd need to dig further into the diagnosis of ASPD. Uh, it is important, I think, with any disorder or sickness to remember that not everyone who has this is going to display all of these or they might display them in different severities, just like a narcissist would. (laughs) These traits need to be consistent for many years and in different parts of these people's lives to qualify. I'm going to, I'm going to go through a list of these behaviors. This seems like the easiest way to kind of share that information. So these consistent behavior patterns include a lack of empathy for others. They do often learn to mimic those feelings, uh, impulsive behavior, attempting to control others with threats or aggression, using intelligence, charm, or charisma to manipulate others, not learning from mistakes or punishment, lying for personal gain, showing a tendency to physical violence and fights, Generally superficial relationships. These people don't get into relationships just for the companionship like a regular person would. They get into these relationships for a benefit, whether it be sexual or monetary or they need a home or whatever it is, they are going to gain something from it. They sometimes will steal or commit other crimes. They often will threaten suicide to manipulate even though they have no intention to act on it. They will sometimes abuse drugs or alcohol. Trouble with responsibilities on occasion, such as jobs, bills, etc. Ignoring social norms and laws. Breaking the rules at school or work. Overstepping social boundaries. Stealing, stalking, and harassing others. Destroying property. Dishonesty and deceit. This does include false identities. 
which made me think of Frank Abagnale, the Catch Me Mm -hmm. If You Can guy. But I do think that Frank did have some remorse for what he did. I think he even purposely tried not to steal from people. Like he tried to steal from companies and stuff. So I'm not sure that he falls in a sociopath, but it did make me think of him because – Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Using others for personal gain. Difficulty controlling their impulses. They have a difficult time planning for the future. Aggressive or aggravated behavior, including frequent fights, disregard for personal safety or the safety of others. Difficulty managing responsibilities, little to no guilt, remorse, or a tendency to justify the actions that negatively affect others. A lot of those seem like they kind of cover the same thing more than once, but Mm -hmm. they don't show much interest in other people at all, except for to kind of mimic that feeling that you're supposed to have. They do often come across as arrogant or superior. They use humor, intelligence, and charisma to charm people and then manipulate them. The doctor in the video that I was talking about earlier said she is almost immediately turned off by people who are too charming because of this. Mm -hmm. She said it just immediately clicks the switch in her brain. She's disengaged and she tries to avoid those people. Is wild. Um, She said they do seem charming at first until their own self-interests become clear. Mm -hmm. So your CEOs and stuff are up there mimicking all these emotions, but that's why they can make tough decisions like laying off entire hundreds of people, entire buildings, shutting them down and not caring. Move on with my day. Yes. It's difficult usually for them to maintain friendships, as we've said, because they don't they don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about what you have to offer. Or they only care about what you have to offer. My excuse me. Now to die to be diagnosed, you must have these behaviors appear across multiple facets of your life. You must be at least 18 years old. And then this one is, I think, the oddest. You have to have had symptoms of something called conduct disorder which is something that is in teens and children, and you have to have a history of that. Okay, so the new one is the oppositional defiance. Yeah. Something like that. Yes, and it's because that is wired differently. They don't, they want to know that you didn't just start acting like that because it might not be ASPD. You might exactly tumor, tumor. um, sickness, Alzheimer's, that kind of thing. So, this is probably where they start relating like children that harm animals. Yes, got in a lot of fights as a kid or were bullies. Yes, there are a lot of traits in these in this disease that. They relate directly back to schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. So it's important because those start up later in life. I think schizophrenia is most common in people in their 30s. They start developing it in their 30s. Women. Women, okay. I think it's men is usually late teens, early 20s. Okay, okay. I think for women it is later. Yeah, so um, they want to make sure those aren't happening. Or this can also sometimes be confused with intermittent explosive disorder. Uh, conduct disorder, which you're kind of just talking about, uh, schizophrenia, or bipolar 1. And I'm not sure the distinction. I didn't dive into that. It's a topic for another day. Yeah, and that one's a little too close to my own personal work <laughs> that I didn't want to dive right. in and start confusing the two of them. Um, most people with ASPD 
will not go see somebody about it. They're like the narcissists. They don't think there's anything wrong with them. Usually if someone is being diagnosed with ASPD and they're in seeing a therapist, it is court mandated. Mm-hmm. Or they have gone to see the therapist about something like depression or something else. And the therapist has said, bro. <laughs> <laughs> seeing some signs here. <laughs> There's only 1% of the population that are actually sociopaths, but we know about them because the things that they do to become public, or I guess the things that become public that we know about them are bone chilling because they don't care. They just don't care about people. They don't understand regular feelings. So I, of course, cannot talk about socio or psychopath without bringing up some of the most famous ones. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Number one, no one is going to be shocked about this, is Ted Bundy. P- people still think Ted Bundy is cool, despite the gross, horrifying things he's done. It's awful. He um, has been diagnosed with... <laughs> Antisocial personality disorder, psychopathy, narcissistic personality disorder, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, schizoid personality disorder, and addictive disorder. Did you watch the show they did? The one with Zac Efron? Was it a movie? Yeah. I haven't watched it. We didn't either because that's not my jam. Sure. And also, why are we... Like, yeah, celebrating this guy. Yeah, yeah. Why does he get his own show or movie or yeah. I think it was a show? I don't know. Like it, it did. It felt very like celebrated. Yes. And let's you know tell everybody all these cool things he did. And I was like, um, we know he's a murderer, right? Like, yeah, he's a bad. He was person. a bad guy. I don't care about anything about it. And to cast someone attract I think Zac yes. Zach Efron is very attractive. So to cast someone like that and I know he's he was an attractive guy and he was charming but And that's part ugh. of why it's so creepy. Yes. Cause he seemed I mean you generally would go to someone like that to ask like directions or something. Mm-hmm. But look I um I just learned a lot about Ted Bundy by listening to the podcast and that's why we drink. Which mm-hmm. is a great podcast by the way. You should check it out. Non hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> they are way more popular than us, but they're also so, so far. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> that's what I meant. We we have like a hundred people that have listened to us. Woo-hoo! Or at least a few people that have listened a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, us. It's just us on repeat all day. But they were actually, um, one of the, the girls is actually working on, was working on that movie at the time. And apparently the movie is more from the girlfriend's perspective. Okay. I'm still probably not going to watch it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so our number two is Jack Henry Abbott. I don't know a lot about him, so I am going to read directly from here so I don't misinform anybody. It says, a notable novelist and author, Jack Abbott had some struggles with law enforcement as a young man, but never something outstanding. A bank robbery sent him to prison where he contacted famous author Norman Mailer and convinced Mailer to write a book. Though his this pen pal... Through this pen pal relationship, Mailer even helped Abbott get out of parole, who later stabbed to death a waiter who wouldn't let him use the employee's bathroom. 
Abbott went back to prison where he died by suicide in 2002. Norman Mailer is very prominent in episode, season three or four, I think, of Gilmore Girls. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, totally not anything to do with anything except for Norman <laughs> Mailer. John Gacy is our number three. I think he's pretty famous mm-hmm. and creepy because he dressed like a clown to kill people. Yeah. Anyway, Joey Budafuco or Fuoco, maybe. He was an auto repairman in Long Island who engaged in a relationship with a minor. This minor later went on to shoot his wife in the face. And he was just um, <laughs> quoted, he's a very charming man who had the power to charm snakes out of a tree. <laughs> this this disease or this um, ASPD, this disorder, is very common in men. Very rare in women, but it does happen. For example, number five is Diane Downs. She's um, though female sociopaths are rare. Few characters stand out throughout history. Diane Downs was after men who didn't want children. However, she couldn't find it. She found a man to have a family with and later murder her children. Psychiatrists diagnosed her with narcissistic, histronic, and antisocial personality disorders. Mm-hmm. Ugh, hurting your, your children. Ugh. Anyway. There's a book called East of Eden written by John Steinbeck, and it's one of my favorite books. I, that seemed super familiar. I probably talked about a lot in high school. Probably. That's the first time I read it. I think I've read it three or four times now, but there's a woman character in there that I don't think they ever come out and say she's a sociopath, but she is definitely a so and probably narcissistic. But Ugh. like just cold, just nothing. There's no feeling. She, has, she, she gets married, she has children, and the whole time, like. You know it's just self-serving. She's got this ulterior motive in this other plan, and she like doesn't even love her children. And I can't imagine. You don't even understand that it's wrong mm-hmm. because you don't have those feelings. Scariest part. Yeah, it's it blows my mind. That trigger in your brain. Like, this is wrong. In these murders that these people do, <laughs> like the Zodiac Killer is also on this list. He killed a lot of people, and that's, like, the only thing that makes them feel something in some cases. It's wild. The difference um, between them and a narcissist is often that narcissists feel after they do something to hurt someone. Sometimes it's very self-serving. They sometimes feel like they're going to be judged for doing something Mm -hmm. like this. Um, You know, selling a car that they know is going to break down, and they they worry that they're going to be judged or found out and their reputation will be smeared. Okay. These sociopaths and psychopaths don't care. They don't care. They don't know how to care. It's unfathomable, I yeah, think, I really. It, it, you just can't understand it. They can work with sociopaths and psychopaths. They can work with people with ASPD, let me say correctly, to treat them. Um, it, the only treatment is therapy. They, they can take medications for some of the things that are brought on along with, mm-hmm. like uh, the depression or alcoholism or things like that. They have medications and treatments and such for those, but not, I mean, if you're wired differently, the only way to do it, it would be to rewire you. And that's not possible in our society <laughs> so far. <laughs> so 
once again, here I am bringing all sorts of dopamine that just feels wrong. My dopamine is tainted. <laughs> we did talk about a lot of serial killers today. We did. I know. I thought it was kind of ironic when you brought that up mm -hmm. because I too am bringing it up. <laughs> well, and my topic for next week relates to mental health and talks about some of this too. So it's funny how even with the randomness of our ADHD, the things still they kind of tie together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to talk about Munchausen syndrome next week. Syndrome syndrome next week. I am excited and disgusted by the topic. That one always <laughs> intrigues me. Yes. And terrifies me. Because, yes. Again, that's and then I'm actually going to change topics again. I seem to have like a three and then move on kind of mm -hmm. thing. And um, I've been sort of looking into a few different things. So we'll <laughs> see. So last week we did thank some of the most forward-facing people who have been supporting us. And we do not want to leave anybody out. So we did also want to throw out some thanks to some of the other folks who have been showing us a lot of love. Some of these people we've just spoken to in person and some of them have just liked and commented on Facebook and things. So first person is our favorite Tina slash Chuck. Thanks Chuck. <laughs> and Jody, who has literally been around for the beginning Forever. of all of this. Also, I want to thank Cousin Zach. I'm only clarifying Cousin Zach because we have thanked more than one Zach. So many Zachs. <laughs> um, and Michelle. Aunt Cammie. And Melanie. And Miranda. Amanda. Who has made more than one guest appearance without realizing she was going to make a guest oh, appearance in our chats. <laughs> Hi, Amanda. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Nick, who, you know, we could also say, you know, Chuck and Nick or Tina and Nick. Uh, Bethany and... great. And Liz. Thank you guys so much. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you all. We're having a really good time with this. Yes. It's actually and on top of getting dopamine from being able to hyper-focus and research random stuff, which still, for some reason, is one of my favorite things to do, even when I'm <laughs> learning about creepy things. <laughs> Um, I then get more dopamine because I get to come over here and share those things and hang out with my best friend for the last very many years. <laughs> Plus, then eventually we get to hear from you guys and you you tell us that we're dorks, but that you love us. <laughs> and that's really all we want in life yep. is the love and the acknowledgement of our dorkiness. Because we accepted that many, many years ago. Absolutely. And there's, there's no getting it. So might as well embrace it. Absolutely. I don't know what this episode has been better than, but I'm sure we'll figure it this out. Episode definitely been better than serial killers. killers. <laughs> I feel like I focus on killing a lot. I know. It is better than serial killers. Better than... Cults? Yes. <laughs> better than sickness? I don't know. But we'll figure it out, and we'll be better than that forever. Right. Better than... Meth. We've always been better than meth. There's nothing else we can say. Sure. We're better than meth. Better than creepy, deserted houses. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you guys for listening again. Yes. This is week eight. And you guys have been with us this whole time, and that's amazing. And we appreciate that. So much. We'll see you next week on yeah. 
dungeons, dungeons and, and dopamine. dopamine.